If you could get transported into any movie, what movie would you get transported into? The Harry Potter saga. I mean, I should have seen that You should have seen that coming and you knew. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be in Harry Potter, you know what I mean? Like You would get transported into Harry Potter just to be one of those background students we never hear from again? Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Just to watch all that bullshit? Absolutely. <laughs> and streaming where we wish this would happen to us. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 1993 Arnold Schwarzenegger film, Last Action Hero. I enjoyed the way you referred to it as an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle in the, in, in, when we were talking about it last time. Yeah, because that's what it is. <laughs> this movie's too long. <laughs> Listen, I know. This, I, I know. This is my first time viewing. <laughs> yeah. How long? When did you first see this movie? Oh, a were couple you, of years ago. Oh, just a couple of years ago. Yeah. So you didn't see it when you were a kid. No, 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 no. I think I think a boyfriend introduced this to me. An old boyfriend. Does this not smack of it that? It does. It does smack of of your ex. So. <laughs> Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Facebook at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That is with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, click around in the links in the show notes. I say it every week. Hopefully y'all check it from time to time now. Did you know that black lives still matter? They do, in fact. They've always mattered. And that is why I'm providing more links this week, more links to bail bonds. Donate what you can when you can and spread the word. Thoughts to all of you wonderful individuals in Chicago who are going through it right now. Yeah, we see you. So please do that, guys. Remember, no lives matter until black lives matter. This is my third choice for birthday month. Congratulations. <laughs> Happy belated. Yeah, no, by the time this comes out, I'll already be 28. Yeah, you're 20. I don't know about you. But I'm feeling 28. You know what I hate? I'm feeling 28. <laughs> Oh, you know what? That's okay. You made it. You made it to another year. Yeah, I did. I did. I'm still here. Cheers. Your birth was planned. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. If you guys didn't get me a gift, that's okay. Yeah. Just go over to iTunes right now mm -hmm. and write us a review. That can be the that can be Carrie Ann's happy birthday gift. Absolutely. Write a damn review. Or if you've written a review already. Share this podcast with someone you like. Please. Someone you think would actually listen to this. You know what? I have a feeling that people find us annoying. <laughs> no, I'm I'm certain they do. We're very loud. There's we are. <laughs> we are. We spend most of the podcast laughing. We do spend most of it <laughs> laughing. There's editing inconsistencies. There's audio inconsistencies. Uh I wasn't at all surprised when we got one download from Texas and then that person vanished. Like we <laughs> here's what we don't need. To those of you who say well, I could just watch the movie. We don't need that. <laughs> we don't need that around here. No, we don't. So if you want to watch the movie, watch the movie. Go ahead. You have our blessing. You have our blessing. <laughs> it's a better piece of art than this. <laughs> Programming note, if you happen to hear thunder in the background, I'm sorry. I literally can't control that. <laughs> Thank you very much for supporting this podcast. All right. All right. You ready to roll film? Let's get, let's get some things out of the way. <laughs> Be or not to be. Not to be. 
Columbia Pictures is proud to present the screen's greatest action hero, Jack Slater. Slater, you hear me? This is the Lieutenant Governor. Slater, here's what I... The Governor gets here, call me. And Danny Madigan is his biggest fan. <laughs> Jack Slater 4. But tonight, a magic ticket... It's a passport to another world. ...will get Danny closer to the action... <laughs> ...than anyone ever dreamed. And you're going with him. Who is this sport and where is that smile on his face? I don't even know this kid. To a world that's bigger than life. This ticket is magic and it really works. And better than real. You really believe that you're inside a movie, don't you? Yes! The bad guys are in there. I've seen it on screen. Could I speak to the drug dealer of the house, please? Have a nice day. Have him killed. The Last Action Hero. The big ticket for 93. I'll be back. Ha! You did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say. I do? This is a movie about a lonely kid who is obsessed with movies, and one day, I shit you not, he comes into possession of a magical ticket that was owned by Harry Houdini, and it transports him into his favorite action film franchise. Like, that sounds like I just made that up, right? No, you did. Uh, yeah. But, or I just came down off of Shroom. But Shane Black and David are not made it up, <laughs> and I want to sit down with them. You do? And we need to talk. We need to talk about what happened. Why? What happened? <laughs> by Ross McMichael. I love this movie because I love meta humor. And it, it is. It is big meta. <laughs> it is big meta. This is all meta. It's full of references to action films, and it's got this self-awareness to it that I personally don't find annoying. I could see how other people would, but just, like, how self-aware it is. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of the biggest action stars at the time, has a sense of humor about the characters he's constantly playing. He's playing the fictional character himself... And the fictional character <laughs> realizing himself. <laughs> He's playing three characters. It's a lot. And they all look and sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> this John McTiernan fellow. I haven't seen a lot of things that he's... Oh my god. He directed Die Hard. Yes. Absolutely. And then made this? No, yeah. John's got balls. He he directed a lot of the movies that this movie makes reference to. He's been married four times, and I completely understand <laughs> after watching that film. Oh, my God. He made Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October. Okay, we have got names. The One. The Only. The Hummer from Cars. <laughs> Arnold. Sh President Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I was elected to lead, not read. That was the best. It was. Like, <laughs> it truly was. I just... Arnold Schwarzenegger went from bodybuilder to actor to politician to has-been. Like, so quickly. A two-term governor 
of California. Which is just, it's wild when you think about it. Th- th- this, th- this guy, this guy, listen to me. Arnold and this Austin O'Brien kid. <laughs> Austin O'Brien I know from one other movie. Tell me. It's My Girl 2. Yeah, I know. And it's, um, I kind of like to think it's the same movie. <laughs> Why? Because he's showing Anna Klumski around L.A. <laughs> yeah, the La Brea Tar Pits are in that yeah, movie, too. Yeah, and then, you know, it's just the roles are reversed, and Arnie's showing him around L.A. Oh, my God. You know? Could you imagine if Arnold Schwarzenegger had been the star of My Girl? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Art Carney. Oh, that's right. Art Carney. His last film. You know him from The Honeymooners? Or maybe you don't, because you're not 80. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Honestly don't know a lot of these other people. We have a second appearance from Robert Brosky. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, I'll get it. I know. I know we've done a movie with him in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. It's the same year. It came out the same year. Oh, it's Mrs. Doubtfire. It is. He's Mr. Lundy. That's right. In Mrs. Doubtfire. But in this one, he's he's Nick. <laughs> Nick the projectionist. Yeah, I guess. And I mean, like, I don't really know a lot of the other names. Um, well, that just proves that you don't watch HBO. Because you know who we have here. Who do we have? Charles Dance. Wait a minute. Daddy Lannister. I did want to talk about this. <laughs> I did want to talk about this guy. Charles Dance. You know where I know him from. Tell me. He plays Lord Mountbatten on The Crown. What? In the, in the, he's gonna, he was in the third season and he's gonna be in the fourth season too. Wait, like alongside Olivia Coleman and like yeah, yeah, yeah. that group? Okay. Oh! I, he's I, in the middle group. <laughs> I guess there's that F. Murray Abram guy. <laughs> that F. Murray Abraham guy, you know, he like won Oscars and stuff. Like we're we'll talk about it. We'll talk about <laughs> it when we get there. And not to mention, guys, as a bonus, again this week we have a star-studded list of cameos. Okay, guys, listen. <laughs> Tina Turner, Sylvester Stallone, Little Richard, Maria Shriver, Chevy Chase, Damon Wayans, Jean-Claude Van Damme, <laughs> Sharon Stone. <laughs> Wilson Phillips. I know. Ian McKellen. <laughs> Danny DeVito. And Joan Plowright. <laughs> MC Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, Lawrence Olivier's in it for his split second. And he's dead. Jim Belushi. Tom Noonan. All right. All right. Bob Patrick. <laughs> Oh my god! John McTiernan really pulled out all the stops. (laughs) Well, you know, we do love a satire. Be honest with me, did you like this? Uh, Mostly. Mostly? I mostly enjoyed this. It was just too damn long, (laughs) and it ended three times. So, All right, that's fair, that's fair. You know what I mean? We'll get there. All right, we should start talking about it. One hell of a way to spend Christmas. I've never seen that many law enforcement officers in one place at one time. And I get that that's the point. It's supposed to be funny. Just a sea of blue. There's 25 of them. 25 what? Cop cars. Wow. There's more than that. Nope, there's 25 of them. No, there's more than that. (laughs) All right. right. I'm convinced there's more than that. That's fine. I was like, I'm getting bad boys vibes. (laughs) 
We're in the middle of a crowded intersection. I said, in what world do they need this many law enforcement officers in one place? I wrote, something is up. Is this Die Hard? <laughs> it does have very big Die Hard vibes. Without knowing that John McTiernan directed Die Hard. Yeah. That... And then when I found that out, I was like, well, now I feel stupid. Yeah, this looks how the street looks towards mm -hmm. the end of Die Hard outside of the tower. Is this Lieutenant Decker person just discount Reginald Vell Johnson from Die Hard? A little bit. I mean, that's the that's the vibe I got. Okay! Sir! Secure the side log. No one in out! Yes, sir. Damn you, remote not to tear it down! Take me further. We're getting the last scene of this movie within the movie. Mm -hmm. Cops swarming the intersection, pointing guns at the roof. The villain of this story, the Ripper, which is one of the laziest, like, killer names I've ever heard. He's taken the school children hostage on the roof of this building. Fucking sicko. And they're waiting for the hostage negotiator. But there's no need because Jack Slater is here, everybody. walking on the hood of these police cars jeans and a t-shirt tucked in stogie in his mouth he is peak schwarzenegger he is here to bring the action the bad puns and of course we're already getting into the cop movie tropes with the police chief yelling at slater not to take matters into his own hands slater is not listening to discount carl oh no absolutely not <laughs> absolutely is not he's walking into that building you know we have mayor tina turner and there's like also the lieutenant governor no as mayor of this great metropolis you and i've had a little kiss but this is the lieutenant governor slater here's what i call the governor gets here call me and he punches that motherfucker in the face <laughs> and goes, call me if the governor calls. <laughs> it's absurd. It's absolutely out of control. Jack goes up to the roof and confronts the Ripper, who kind of looks like what the Gorton's Fisherman would look like if he did a 10-year stint on crack. He looks like the Peter Scavelli guy from Ghost oh, no. mixed with the Penguin. <laughs> like, it's just... Like the Danny DeVito penguin. Like, it's just gross. Tom Noonan's got this headpiece that's just covering the first, the, the top half of his face to make him look really deformed and spooky and scary. This Ripper dude has his kid. One of the kids is Jack's son. Uh huh. His name is Andrew. He can't be more than 10. He's he looks like Opie fucking Taylor. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's like... a little Opie Taylor looking boy. This is where you start to understand what kind of movie this is going to be because the Ripper tells Jack to drop his gun. Disarm yourself. All right. I'm unarmed. So let the boy go. Just one gun, Jack? You got to be kidding. <laughs> Can I just say... He drops six firearms. He does. And a knife. Talk about disarming. Oh my God. He just keeps pulling them out and dropping them. <laughs> it's like a it's magic like, trick. Where do you have room for all these guns on your person, sir? But that's the action hero trope, right? They always have an extra gun. Like, I'm surprised he didn't pull one taped from between his shoulder blades. But you know what he does have? He has a grenade. Yeah. He pulls that pin and throws it right at his son's feet. And he's like, it's a live grenade, dude. Just try me. And he's like, oh, come on. And he makes the kid pick it up. He makes Andrew pick it up. Jack, that toy can't hurt the boy. But this one can. <laughs> we find out. 
It's a grenade knife. <laughs> it's not a real grenade. <laughs> like you pull it, you pull it apart, and it becomes a knife. I wrote grenade knife. <laughs> <laughs> So it gets super chaotic all at once. Mm -hmm. We don't really see what happens there because we're getting pulled out of the movie within the movie. And it's a movie. And now we're at the beginning of the real movie. So we have Danny Madig Madigas Madigan. Madigan. Danny Madigan. And Ma Danny Madigan, who be who begins to protest at this um what is this Jack Jack Slater 3? Yes, it's Jack Slater 3. Or yeah, or whatever. Focus. Hey, come on. Focus. Hey. People are trying to sleep. And I just love the guy in the back. Come on, people are trying to sleep. <laughs> that poor homeless man. This this movie theater. This Picture Palace, yeah. air quote, has been severely mistreated. When I say this is run down, I mean most of the equipment doesn't work properly. Yeah. There's graffiti on the walls. He goes up into that room and it looks like a different world. It does. It looks like this is 1920-something. Because no one ever uses the upper balcony. Yeah. There's not enough people in it to fit. There's never enough people in it at one time to fill the front row. And it's not a theater that does peep shows. So in yeah. the early 90s... They were hurting. And this is where Danny hangs out. He's obsessed with movies and he's constantly skipping school and shirking his responsibilities and just hanging out in this movie theater. He has seen Jack Slater 3 six times. Yes. This is his, this is his seventh time seeing the movie. Pursuant to what we've been calling the McFly effect, Danny is good friends with the old man named Nick who runs the movie projector. Nick surprises Danny by telling him that he can arrange for Danny to see the new Jack Slater movie. Jack Slater 4. Before it comes out in theaters, which is like amazing, right? Uh -huh. Like your favorite film. Imagine if you could have seen Deathly Hallows Part 2 a week early. I, uh, I could arrange for you to gain admittance. That is, you know, that sort of thing appeals to me. See, before it opens? Yeah. Who do I have to kill? <laughs> Nobody. All you have to do is to get to school. You know, if you hurry, you're only going to be four hours late. I love that he's like four hours late for school and that this movie is running in the morning. Yeah. Like that early in the morning. I think that Nick is just his enabler, honestly. Yeah. I think Nick is old and lonely and he thinks it's cool that this kid likes to hang out here because Nick has just kind of always been here. He got his first job here when he was like... 10 years old. That's a long time to work at one place. It really, truly is. So Danny goes into school. He's four hours late to school and we're in English class. Shakespeare's Hamlet couldn't be more exciting. And though it may seem that he is incapable of taking any action, he is in fact one of the first action heroes. Joan Plowright is the most oddly placed seasoned actress ever. She she's in the weirdest shit. <laughs> this being one of those things. This is classically trained Shakespearean actress Joan Plowright, wife of Sir Lawrence Olivier. She is the Baroness Olivier. <laughs> and she's in this Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And I just watched Dinosaur. Yeah. Didn't we? We we just watched part of Dinosaur and I'm like, she is just in the weirdest things. She's also She's Mrs. Wilson in Dennis the Menace. Oh my god, that just got put on Netflix. Did it really? I forgot she was Mrs. Wilson. She is, yeah. Teach is trying to explain to us that Hamlet was the original action hero. 
<laughs> this is some Jill Jenkins shit. This is very meta. Yes. Because Joan Plowright, the wife of Laurence Olivier, begins to show them the production, the film production of Hamlet from the 1950s with Laurence Olivier. I just love how she's like, you may recognize him from the Polaroid commercials. Oh my God. <laughs> you can see Danny starting to get into it a little bit, you know, watching the old black and white film. It's the scene where Hamlet's about to kill Claudius, but then he doesn't because Claudius is praying and he doesn't want him to go to heaven. And Danny is not much for the talk, talk, talk. No. He likes to see kill, kill, kill. Get to the slaughter. Get to the slaughter. And he's like, shut up and just kill him. Yeah. And so he starts having this daydream in which he casts Arnold Schwarzenegger as Hamlet. He looks like Terminator. I know. He kind of looks... This is Terminator Hamlet. (laughs) With the machine guns. I wrote, I'm pissing. (laughs) It's so funny. No one's going to tell this sweet prince good night. To be or not to be. Not to be. And he lights that stogie and it explodes. Whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. There's just a random explosion behind him. He just starts shooting everybody. (laughs) Everyone's dying. We get an exposition dump where we meet Danny's overworked mother and we learn that his father died recently and she's been doing her best, working two jobs. Beep! Beep! What's that? I think that's the exposition dump. (laughs) This woman covers up his delinquency. Constantly. Yeah. She's like, were you at the movies again? And she's calling his principal, telling him he's sick. (laughs) And this woman that plays his mother, uh, Mercedes Ruel, she's an accredited actress. Is she really? She has won an Oscar, a Golden Globe, a Tony, a Drama Desk, an Obie, and an Outer Critics. What on God's green earth did she win an Oscar for? I, 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 I (laughs) don't know. (laughs) Hold on. I'm finding. The Fisher King from 1992 with Robin Williams and Jeff Bridges? I have never seen that. Never heard of it. Danny abuses the fact that she's always at work by cutting school and going out to the movies at night. He's on his way out to the movie theater to do it again, and he's the victim of a push-in burglary. Oh dear, an intruder. This crackhead breaks in, holds a knife on him, and handcuffs him to a pipe. What is it with you? You got junk! No jewelry, no VCR, a shit TV that'll get me 20 bucks. Go fishing, we go. He's in the police station, right? I can't believe this. His mother does not leave work. I know, I know. That's what happens when you need the job, man. Yeah, like, she, she, she is not going to come home. Like, she is just going to... She literally just tells the Sarge, like, yeah, send him home. I'll be there. He's a child in New York City. Send him home on his own. But it's like 1130p, right? Yeah. So he's cutting it close to his showing of Jack Slater 4. When he gets to the theater, Nick goes into this whole spiel about how when he was young... He wanted to be a magician, and Harry Houdini himself was performing at this theater. And I'm like, wow, that was a really long time ago. Nick seems a little crazy. I'm just saying. Just a little, just a tad, just a tad. It might be why he feels the need to be friends with a kid. Everybody else is like, have you, have you talked to that Nick guy? He thinks he owns a magical ticket that will transport you into any movie you want. And he said to me, he whispered, 
He said, this is a magic ticket. It was given to me by the best magician in India, and it was given to him by the best magician in Tibet. It's a passport to another world. And I'm guessing we're supposed to believe the Houdini made all of this possible? I don't know, man. I, I feel like that's I feel like that's just non-tangential with what Houdini would have been about. He's like, no, it's not supernatural. Like, I'm actually doing this with my hands. He gives him that ticket, and I just expect him and Austin O'Brien to start dancing around going, I've got a golden ticket. <laughs> I've got a golden chance to make my way. It does smack of that, it, doesn't it? It so does. Because, like, Nick's always wanted to try the ticket's magic, but he's just kind of been afraid that it won't work. And he's had it since he was a kid, huh? Yeah. It's, so it's been decades. It's been decades. And he's never tried it out. He's afraid that if it doesn't work, then it'll mean Houdini was a fraud. You know, that whole don't meet your heroes thing. Yeah. <laughs> so now Nick is giving the ticket to Danny to see if the magic works. They tear it in half and Nick starts the movie. Shall we see if Mr. Slater wins this time? Jack Slater can't lose. Never has, never will. Jack Slater 4 starts with this banging Megadeth song. Angry again. Oh, man. All of a sudden, we're in a mobster's mansion. Vivaldi seems evil. <laughs> yeah. Frankie, why you keep on with the insults? I would never insult you, Mr. Vivaldi. Well, you lie. That's an insult. This Ohaka fella was apparently in a bunch of stuff in the 60s and 70s, this actor. Really? Yeah, he's a Mexican-American actor. Anything we would have seen? I, 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 when I was looking through the titles, nothing struck my fancy, so... Vivaldi's one of the mob bosses in L.A., and he has Jack Slater's second cousin. Yeah, what the hell? Frank, his second cousin Frank. What the, of all the relations <laughs> that could have been kidnapped. Because we've already killed his half-brother, we've already killed his dog, we've already killed his mother. Uh-huh. You know, that kind of thing. Vivaldi's shaking Frank down for information on Slater. And Vivaldi has a henchman known as Benedict, Charles Dance. This is also where I wrote, Benedict is Lord Mountbatten. <laughs> <laughs> Benedict is a crack shot, which is interesting considering he has no depth perception. He's only got one eye. Yeah, he's got one good eye. His left eye is glass. Benedict has some of my favorite lines in this movie because he's constantly fed up with everyone's stupidity around him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what I'm saying is, Mr. Benedict, can take you out as easy as cake. Pie, you Sicilian schmuck. Both the cops and Jack show up to Frank's house where the mob dumps his body. And there's all this drama. There's all this drama. He's like, no, Frank. This is the best death ever <laughs> in the history of cinema. You think he so? He just gets kind of, Frank gets kind of glassy-eyed tied to that chair and goes, I'm out of here. <laughs> and then just dies. Tony Vivaldi and the Torelli mob are joining forces. I'm out of here. Frank. Frank. He doesn't slump over. He just kind of goes still. It's the it's the funniest shit. And you know he picks up that paper. He picks up these cards that are pinned to Frank, and it starts with a five. And he keeps pulling the cards out. It's four, three, 
two, and he finally gets wise to it, and he's like, it's a bomb! It's a bomb! And so they dive out, and we get cut to Danny watching the movie, and it, there's this huge explosion. That house is obliterated. The cop car goes flying. The cops go flying. We see that hydraulic press throw the cop car. Yeah. Like, they put it in the shot. And Danny watching the movie is just like, he made it out all right. Both <laughs> cops are dead, though. And it's true. It's true. He's seen this movie before. And you know what made me really think about turning it off? What? When that when that old cop goes, damn, I was two days from retirement, <laughs> and then dies. <laughs> I really considered hitting power. They're always <laughs> two days from retirement. <laughs> Danny Glover, lethal weapon. They're always two days from retirement. So then we get these shooters? I guess these are the Torellis? This gaggle of gangsters comes after Slater all of a sudden. I don't know if they're the Vivaldis, the Torellis, they're mob guys. Gaggle of gangsters. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. There's this ridiculous car chase scene. Like, it's it's funny to watch <laughs> him shooting sticks of dynamite out of the air so they don't land in his car. <laughs> the ammo in this film is insane. Because that's one of the things about action films, right? You never have to reload the gun. It's all ammo all the time. <laughs> reload what? <laughs> and all of the sudden, the dynamite flies off the screen and lands in the movie theater. He shoots that dynamite out of the air and off screen. Like, it lands next to Danny in the theater. Danny almost doesn't notice it. <laughs> and then he's just like, wait a minute. And I just love... Um, yeah. When he comes to after that explosion, he's in the back of Slater's car. Who the hell are you? I'm a kid. How did you get here? I'm not quite sure where here is, sir, but I don't think you want to know. Okay, close your eyes, stay flat, and don't move. He's in the movie! He's in the movie! It worked! He's just like the bad puns, the voice, the hard rock. This is happening! <laughs> I'm in the movie! And guess where we go? Right into the L.A. River, <laughs> which is always dry. It's always oh, it, dry. It's the same drag from Greece where they're racing the roadsters. <laughs> it is, it is. And this chase is still happening. They play chicken. Yeah, in the alley. In the alleyway. And he's just like... Pass the seatbelt, please. Your fingers. Close as many as you can. They're playing chicken, and of course the bad guys blink. Yeah. The car chase ends with- Cause the, it's a movie. It's a exactly. <laughs> the bad guys always blink first. And that ends with them driving through the side of a building into some beauty pageant so we could have hot women in their underwear for no reason. I didn't realize it here, but I will realize it later and we'll talk about it. We'll talk about the women. <laughs> okay, later all right, on, all right. Later on. Slater takes Danny to LAPD headquarters and on the way in, we're getting smacked with movie references. I literally wrote, as like, when they're on their way in the front door, I was like, I backed it up. And I was like, is that Sharon Stone? 
And it's Sharon Stone as Catherine Trammell. From Basic Instinct. From Basic Instinct. Where are my don't fuck with cats lovers? (laughs) Absolutely. Raise your hand. Raise your hand there. I see you. I see you. I see you. We have Robert Patrick, the T-1000 from the Terminator series. Come on. And like Danny's looking around like, are you serious? No one else thinks this is weird? All these movie characters are walking around like they belong. We've got police officers being mismatched as partners at the intake desk. All these buddy cop movies in the making. Like the detective and the rabbi. (laughs) The detective and the cartoon police cat. Whiskers. (laughs) Voiced by Danny DeVito. (laughs) What the hell? Radcliffe, you're pulling duty with the animated cat. I am toots. I'm getting a flea bath later. Join me. We meet Slater's mentor, John Practice, played by F. Murray Abraham. He's here to tell Slater what he already knows. That Vivaldi and the Torelli families are teaming up. Like they're going to consolidate power and take over L.A. or something. Something outlandish and action movie-like. Um, Danny clocks him right away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is my favorite. This is my favorite. <laughs> because John walks away and Danny looks right at him and he goes, Watch it, Jack. He killed Mozart! In a movie? Oh, the dance! He won eight Oscars! Well, I saved his life in Nam, so make sure to be on the lookout. Thanks. Now, no more movies! Because F. Murray Abraham was an Amadeus. Yes! Yes! And he's like, he won an Oscar for it! <laughs> that act, F. Murray Abraham has to have a great sense of humor to do that. I love it! <laughs> I love it! Decker is mad. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Decker is yelling unintelligible shrieks. You have got to watch. If you're out there and you're thinking about giving this movie a try, you have to watch with subtitles, y'all. Because it's the classic mad police boss. (laughs) It's in every every crime beat movie. He's always going to have your badge. You're gone too rogue. Give me your badge. (laughs) You're a loose cannon. I can't have you on my squad. (laughs) You're taking the law into your own hands and it's not right. And like, imagine all of that, but... Put it on fast forward, and you've got Lieutenant Decker. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing that dance, and the shit tone through the tulips. And also, like, Danny keeps poking holes in everything. He's explaining how this movie's gonna pan out. <laughs> and they're just like, what the fuck? Why are you here? Danny has all this omnipotent knowledge, and they really can't account for it. Like, he knows things about Decker that <laughs> Decker is unaware that a random child would know. They're dearest friends. After your wife left you for the circus mission, and Jack told everyone he drove her to New England to the diphtheria clinic. When he came back, you said, you saved me from public humiliation, Jack. You're my dearest friend. And you promised me you wouldn't tell. I didn't. Well, then I didn't know. And so what does Decker do? He partners Slater with the kid. Because of course he does. This is, why else would we be here? Yeah. <laughs> I just love how D- Danny Danny is in it. Danny is on cloud nine. Mm-hmm. He can't believe this worked. He can't believe he's really here and that he's now an official police deputy. Euphoria. And he's like, come on, Slater. We make great buddy movie material. I'll teach you to be vulnerable and you'll teach me to be brave. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 kind of pure. It is pure. And he's, like, he's us. He ke- Yeah. He is us. Yes. He's like, this is going to be a great movie. The self-awareness of this movie has me rolling. Like, that's just, that's all I'm going to say. Slater gives Danny 10 minutes to prove that they're in a film or he kills him <laughs> or he shoots him. So 
So they go into what is patently a blockbuster. Like it's it looks like a blockbuster in Florida in the 80s. That's what it looks like. I love the poster. Sylvester Stallone is the Terminator. Yeah. Danny takes him in there and he's like, here, I'll show you. Let's go to the action movie section. And there's this cardboard cutout for Terminator with Sylvester Stallone on the cover. Yeah. Danny's like, no, that's not possible. That was you. And Arnold Schwarzenegger goes, no, are you kidding me? It's his best performance. (laughs) They are relentless. Oh, my God. The Uh, phone number. Danny's next idea is he's going to be like, all right, I'll prove it to you. He asked this lady for her number. And she reluctantly gives it to him. And it starts with what, Ross? 555. All movie phone numbers start with 555. Like, he proves this to him with math. I'm willing to bet that everyone has a 555 number. So? So? There can only be 9,999 numbers that start with 555. How many people live in L.A.? Eight or nine million. Aha! That's why we have area codes. A further way of trying to prove it to him is all the women look ridiculous. Yeah, Danny switches gears. He's like, okay, if this is real life, where are all the normal looking women? Like they're all in this, in clad leather and like chrome boobs <laughs> and ridiculous bags and hair. Every woman here is a solid 10. They're here to be objectified. The woman behind the counter is Angie Everhart. She's a sports illustrated model. Slater's like, hey, it's California. <laughs> Watching this, I was thinking, he's probably screwing up this plot royally. And it's going to go so horribly wrong. You thought there were going to be, like... I thought there was going to be, like, you know, time-turner consequences. You know what I mean? <laughs> because he's distracting Slater. Yeah. Finally, Danny decides the only way he's going to convince Slater is to take him to the Vivaldi mansion where Cousin Frank was tortured. And Slater walks right up to the door, knocks and says... Hello, can I speak to the drug dealer of the house? Mm-hmm. Benedict comes to the door and Danny's like, that's him. That's the guy with the glass eye I told you about. Yeah. Well, Tin Man, suppose you hit the bricks. No, they're the wrong color. Are they? Oh dear, by all means, let's change them. Would arterial red suit you? Or you and Toto can go back to the land of Oz. Questions? And as he's closing the door, Benedict hears him mention the bullseye, yeah. his bullseye eye, and Frank. And now you can add Benedict to the list of people who are spooked by this kid's omnipotent knowledge. Mm-hmm. Slater takes Danny to his ex-wife's house. We don't get to see the ex-wife because her she's name- not in the credits. Yeah, her name her name wasn't in the credits, so she's not going to be there. <laughs> but we do get to meet the hot daughter, yes. Whitney <laughs> Meredith Caprice, in her debut role. In Jack Slater 4. I guess we haven't met this kid until the fourth movie. I guess not. So. <laughs> Daddy! Oh my Whitney's a predictably blonde bombshell with girl next door charm. She kisses that kid immediately when the door opens. Oh yeah, it's so weird. This is also where we learn that Andrew from Jack Slater 3 is no longer with us. Died at the end of the movie. Yeah, we never did get to see the end of the movie, did we? No. The kid stabs the Ripper and the Ripper falls off the roof. And takes him with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's very dramatic. Slater just goes dead behind the eyes and we're in this grayscale flashback with all the dramatic acting. (laughs) This film is all over the place. This film is all over the place. It's kind of hard to talk about. (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, no, I get it. Like, the plot is absolutely bonkers, but it's kind of supposed to be. I mean, yes. Because action plots are always all over the place. This is just a hard movie to cover. I know. Because we're covering a movie covering a movie. <laughs> we're getting too meta for ourselves. Yeah, like, I feel like we're painting pictures of ourselves painting pictures of ourselves. <laughs> And so Slater does that man thing where he goes out for a drive to think, which is just a convenient plot device to get him out of the house so that Benedict and his goons can show up and make trouble. I wrote, this is getting confusing. What are you confused about specifically? Because, like, I can't understand, like, I like, it's like they're just going with Danny now. Like, the plot doesn't matter anymore in the film. <laughs> You really think Jack Slater 4 would have been that electrifying? <laughs> Just wait till we get to the funeral. At this point, Danny's tired of trying to convince people they're in a movie. So he's just started making up excuses for his omnipotence. Benedict wants to know how he knows everything he knows, and Danny cannot come up with answers that satisfy him. He takes out Danny's wallet and starts going through it. Daniel Madigan from New York City. Awfully long way away from home, aren't you? When did you get here? Just. And how do you know what I said on Vivaldi's terrace? I heard a recording. Microphones in the statues, are there? You wouldn't believe how many. And the eye I was wearing. I saw it. I saw it in a movie. There were micro cameras in the statues. I should tell you that I have killed people smarter and younger than you. And he finds the Houdini ticket. Mm -hmm. It like lights up and he's like, huh, that probably merits a follow up. <laughs> but, but he doesn't have a chance because here comes Whitney. Whitney's quite the little action hero herself. She actually turns out to be very handy in these situations because she has combat and firearms training just like her cop father. Because she, of course she does. She needs to stop fucking screaming. <laughs> <laughs> so she whips out a gun and points it at Benedict and says, freeze! Lose the guns or I redecorate in brain matter gray. Got it? I'm like, that's, that's... <clears throat> Go ahead, call need... it hot. Because that's what you wanted to say. I need a glass of water. Oh my god. <laughs> I just love it. I love it. She's in this movie for no reason. Yeah. No freaking reason. And I love her. So, of course, Jack Slater comes in at the most opportune time. Hi. Slater drops in through the skylight, and there are all of these ridiculous stunts with the guns. It's just, it's, it's silly to watch. <laughs> like that part when he picks up the live wire and sticks it in the dead guy's lap. And he's electrocuting him, so he continues to shoot the AK that he has. <laughs> it's absurd. And then, like, it leaves all the goons dead, but Benedict escapes. So the cops are cleaning up the scene back at Whitney's. Whitney, Slater, and Danny are watching them work, and Danny gets another idea to prove to Slater that they're in a movie. He gets a notepad and writes what I assume is the word fuck across it in block letters. Uh-huh. And he shows it to Slater and says, say this word. I don't want to say it. Say what? You can't. You can't possibly say it. Because this movie is PG-13. Admit it. And he's, and he's just like, I can't say that. <laughs> He's like, I know you can't say it because this is a PG-13 movie. It's, and it's funny because he's not even, he's just like, no, that's not why. It's like, he can't say it due to ratings. <laughs> 
With all this mess surrounding the incident at Whitney's house, Lieutenant Decker takes Slater's badge away. Or something like that. He just kind of shrieks and takes his badge <laughs> from him. This is the part of the movie where they always take the badge away. As Slater is cleaning out his desk, John Practice reappears and tells Slater that he should come work the Torelli funeral with him anyway. Mm-hmm. I guess they, I guess the mob bosses get police protection during the funeral? What? What country do you think this is? Ah, uh, you know what? You know what? You're right. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. Who died? Leo Lafarge was shot yesterday. Yeah, somebody was trying for Torelli and missed. Leo was tough. Mm. Could do everything but sneak up on you. <laughs> you change your mind, I'll be in front of the hotel, huh? Huh? Remember, the Torellis and the Vivaldis are supposedly pairing up. So they've got the families under surveillance. And one of the Torelli goons, Leo the Fart. Leo the Fart was shot by someone trying to take out the head of the Torelli family. And they missed. Poor Fart. <laughs> Poor Fart. We knew him well. And Slater blows practice off like, nah, no, I don't, I don't feel like it, man. I just got fired. <laughs> I mean, it must. I mean, it's kind of nice of him as a mentor to throw him work, even though he just got sacked. Slater takes Danny back to his own apartment. His empty apartment. There's like nothing in here. Yeah, it's pretty bare. Except a bed, and there's already an assassin in the closet. Like he doesn't, like he doesn't say anything and just just shoots up his closet door, slides it open, and a ninja falls out. <laughs> He's like, how did you know there was a guy in there? And he's like, there's always a guy in there when I come here. He opens that closet and you can see the only clothes he owns are the ones he's got on. Yeah, several different pairs of it. He's got seven brown leather jackets, seven red t-shirts, seven pairs of jeans, seven pairs of cowboy boots. There's even a gun for every day of the week. It's pretty great. (laughs) Danny's trying to explain to him, it's okay, man. Decker's just pulling Ray because you did so much damage. He'll give your badge back at the end of the movie. Jack, you're not just my hero, you're everybody's hero. And it'll all be okay again. Trust me. No, Danny. It's getting harder. I never started out to be anything but a decent cop. But I kept getting involved in these crazy adventures. Jack, these are the sequels. They gotta get harder. Yeah, and he's like, well, these are the sequels. They have to get harder. The self-awareness. The self-awareness. I can't take it. Danny's like, don't worry. It's all going to work out in the end. While we're waiting for it to work out, we should go check out the Torelli funeral. Oh, boy. (laughs) You hate this scene, don't you? I mean, yeah. It lasts (laughs) way too long. (laughs) Is this one of the three endings you identified? Yeah. (laughs) Slater kind of puts it all together at once. Why this assassination attempt on the head of the Torelli family makes no sense. Because if Vivaldi was trying to take out the rival mob boss, he would have sent Benedict, right? Yeah. Remember Benedict? Who could hit a target from a thousand yards? Apparently. He never would have missed that shot. Not Lord Mountbatten. No, not Lord Mountbatten, no. So they deduce that the mobsters have stuffed Leo the fart with nerve gas. Jesus. In order to take out the Torelli family. Because, like, they're all going to be at the funeral, obviously. Nerve gas. What are you talking about? Three canisters of nerve gas were stolen from military trucks the night before last. They could have stuffed those inside him. And you know what that means, don't you? Uh-huh. Leo the Fart is going to pass gas one more time. 
So they're going to stuff the corpse with nerve gas and take them all out in one fell swoop. It reminds me of the end of Get Smart when the bomb is in the piano and the last note of the Ode to Joy triggers the bomb. That's literally, that's like a Looney Tunes gag. Yeah. Do, 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 you just reminded do, me of a film that we have to do. do, do. Space Jam. Uh, Looney Tunes back in action. Oh, God! <laughs> Which is, I think, superior to Space Jam. Oh, I cannot wait to hear you defend that. I will. <laughs> the way he looked at me, it's a personal challenge now. He meets up with practice right outside the funeral. This funeral, by the way, is taking place on top of a Los Angeles skyscraper. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like, it doesn't scream funeral venue to me. You know, like the fountain and the red walk. And <laughs> it looks like something out of the Hunger Games. <laughs> it kind of oh, does. Like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> That water is too blue. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know water that's too blue? Like it's got shit in it. You know it's got stuff in it. LA, baby. <laughs> Practice says he's going to take him in through a side entrance. But guess what? It's a ruse. Sorry, Jack. I didn't want it to go down this way. Danny told me not to trust you. He said you killed Mozart. Mo who? Zard. You know, I kill a lot of people. I can't remember half of them. Raise your hand if you're shocked. Anybody? No? Crickets. Crickets. Cricket. Didn't think so. <laughs> Turns out F. Murray Abraham is the bad guy in this movie, too. Who knew? <laughs> He's getting kickbacks from Vivaldi to run interference for the mob through the police department. Damn. <laughs> I know, right? Or isn't your heart just shattered? You had so much invested in that. I honestly wasn't attached. <laughs> no, I know. That's kind of the point. Because it happens and it's just like, well, I don't know what I expected. See you later, F. <laughs> Practice chains both Slater and Danny to a pipe. And this is the Incredibles thing, right? He starts monologuing. Yeah. He starts telling them the whole sad affair. Somebody once told me I talk too much. No more words. Whiskers, where the hell have you been? Sorry, Jack. Furball problem. <coughs> and while he's explaining the whole spiel, Whiskers the cat reappears for no reason and shoots practice in the back. Yeah, and he, and he, he saves his butt. Saves both their butts. <laughs> Just for no reason at all. And he's like, wow, thanks, Whiskers. <laughs> And he's like, it's okay. You've done it for me plenty of times. <laughs> I want to see that movie. I want to see Jack Slater 6, Whiskers in Cuff. I guess. Oh, my God. So this funeral's happening on top of a skyscraper for no fucking reason except that it'll look cool. And we're going to let a kid operate a crane? Yeah. Slater tasks the 13-year-old with maneuvering a construction crane to the top of the skyscraper. He goes up there and like everybody's crying, everybody's dabbing their eyes, and he goes up to the casket. And and the only way to say this is that he kidnaps the corpse. Yeah, basically. He's like, this man's not dead. Yeah. He needs a doctor. You know what I was most struck by? What? Everybody kind of catches on to the bullshit that he's not actually <laughs> taking this man to get help. Everyone has a gun. <laughs> everybody, everybody, the little old ladies, the nuns, they all have guns. Yes. Nuns with guns. Nuns with guns. <laughs> you go, sister. 
Danny manages to get the crane up to the rooftop just because movie magic. And somehow we get the body perfectly hooked on the crane. After some more ludicrous action stunts. You can say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Slater ends up on the crane with the corpse. And Danny swings them over the La Brea tar pits. Perfectly. (laughs) That crane's got some distance. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. It's covering like 12 city blocks. It went from downtown LA to northern LA very quickly. (laughs) And he drops Slater and Leo the fart into the tar pit. And you almost think it's just going to be bad. Oh my God. Imagine. Oh God. Do you know what tar is? It's naturally occurring liquid asphalt. So if it was not in heat, like the tar pits are heated, it would turn to asphalt. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, so. Oh, I don't like that. But, you know, he gets the tar off of him perfectly fine. Yeah, he takes two steps out of that tar pit. He's clean in seconds. He's clean in two cuts. (laughs) In two shots. (laughs) Like, it's funny. He comes out of there completely coated. What's his name? Louis the Fart? (laughs) Leo the Fart. Leo the Fart. Leo the Fart almost blows to hell. (laughs) But somehow just gets swallowed. The energy just gets swallowed by the tar pit. You know, it like blows that bubble up. And if it bursts, nerve gas. Yeah. But then it just slowly goes back down. Yeah. (laughs) But he, he climbs out of the tar pit. He's coated in tar. And then in the next shot we get of him, his just his face and neck are clean. <laughs> Hair and the rest of him covered in tar. And then by the third, his clothes are almost completely free of tar. <laughs> He's just got a mark on his face. I love it. And like, who pulls up in the, you know, flaming truck, but Whitney with a change of clothes for daddy. <laughs> She's so convenient. She's just an attractive plot device. Like, literally, Danny goes, doesn't this seem a little too convenient? <laughs> And Jack's just like, nah, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> so by now, Benedict has figured out that the Houdini ticket that he took off of Danny contains magic powers. Like he has it in his hand and he starts touching the wall and his hand goes through the wall. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And he's like, oh, okay. So I can transcend reality. In that case, I'm going to quit my stupid job. First of all, the, uh, we haven't really talked about Vivaldi's mansion at all because it's just your stereotypical... It's a fuck you mansion. It is a fuck you mansion. It's a fuck you, I'm gonna spit on you, you horrible poor cur. <laughs> He's got a pool that's got a bar in the middle of it. This guy's so fancy, he has a swimming pool in his swimming pool. <laughs> he does. This guy's got shoes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Pardon my Spongebob references. Benedict wastes Vivaldi. Yeah. He's, Vivaldi's in the pool. Benedict comes up to him and he's like, so here's the thing. I can travel between parallel realities. <laughs> so I don't have to take orders from you anymore. First you're my friend. Now you turn it. 360 on me. God, 180, you stupid spaghetti slurping cretin. 180. If I did a 360, I'd go completely around and end up back where I started. Sir, I'm afraid you've gone mad with power. Of course I have. If you ever tried going mad without power, it's no good. No one listens to you. <laughs> yeah, Benedict's, Benedict's like, people are finally going to listen to me. Like, he murders Vivaldi. He just kills the head of the mob. No reservations about it. Just mm-hmm. kills him. Because now he knows he can just go to another world. And he just asked to project out of the movie. <laughs> He's 
broken the fourth wall now, so he's looking right into the camera as he's monologuing. If that little turd Daniel Madigan can move through parallel worlds, I can move through parallel worlds. In and out. In, steal whatever I want. And out again. Impossible to catch. If God was a villain, he'd be me. All of a sudden, Whitney's monster truck comes busting through the side of the mansion. Again? Again! This car, and you know it's never got a broken taillight or anything on it? No, it's perfect never, condition. Never got a lick of damage despite going through walls of concrete. Slater jumps out of the truck and starts working Benedict over. And Benedict grabs the ticket. And when Slater throws him through the wall, he just vanishes into the real world. Uh-huh. Usually when I do that, it leaves a hole. The ticket! Jack, he's got the ticket! It's the key to everything. It's magic. Slater finally gets it. He looks at Danny and he's like, holy shit, you were right the whole time. He's like, I'm afraid you're telling the truth. <laughs> I'm super afraid you're telling the truth now. And Danny's like, well, we got no other choice. We have to go get him. <laughs> we can't just let him run amok in reality. They follow him through the wall, and they're back in the theater. They start chasing Benedict through the streets of New York, and Slater is frustrated because none of his action movie moves are working because they're in the real world. Yeah. He can actually run out of ammo in a gun now. It actually hurts to put his hand through a pane of glass. Slater's kind of going into crisis <laughs> when he's staring existentially at that billboard of himself oh my for God. Jack Slater 4. Yeah, he's just like, what the fuck? Mm. Could you imagine? No. Like, this is like, this is some real Truman Show vibes here. Like, he realizes that his whole life is just entertainment. It's just like, it's just imagine your whole world is this fake dome. And you get to step outside of it. Harry Potter kills Voldemort and wakes up in his cupboard immediately <laughs> after. It's all been a nightmare. <laughs> so now Slater knows he's a fictional character. And Danny takes him back to the theater to have this existential crisis. I love how Nick is always falling asleep at the projection. Yeah, like he's just never paying attention. No one's there. No one's there. Danny is the only one that comes there <laughs> so to, he, to do anything else other than sleep. He missed the bad guys running out of the movie. Yeah. He didn't even see Danny go into the movie. He was asleep by that point. My goodness. Nick is giddy that the ticket's magic worked. And, and Slater can't even focus. He's like, he's, there's, like, there's a villain running around. He might not make it back to his own world. He can't hear anything that's going on right now. <laughs> he's like you in this movie. He can't follow anything. No, no, not at all. I'm sorry, but I don't find it so new and exciting to discover that my whole life has been a damn movie. Young and impressionable. You know, there's lots worse things in movies. There's politicians and wars and forest fires and, and famine, plague, uh, uh, sickness, pain, warts, politicians. You already mentioned I, I, I know I did. They're twice as bad as anything else. It's funny because he was the governor of California. Mm. <laughs> I have in all capital letters, we've arrived at my favorite part of the movie. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Tell me all about it. Oh my god. Benedict is wandering around Times Square. Like Times Square before <laughs> Giuliani cleaned it up, right? So yeah. it's just nothing but peep shows and dirty bookstores. He watches a man get murdered for his shoes. And no one cares. It's New York in the early 90s. No SWAT showed up. No Jack Slater. No big bad superhero or anything. And he's like, oh, I, nothing can touch me? Question mark? <laughs> Let's postulate. So he walks up to this mechanic off a side street. Excuse me. Um, I'm sorry to bother you. I wonder if you'd help me test a theory. Sure, what can I do for you? Well... Shoots that motherfucker dead. <laughs> Just goes dead and looks at his watch. Tick tock, tick tock. Where's the police? No one's coming. They're... It's silent. <laughs> it's absolutely silent. Hello? I've just shot somebody. I did it on purpose. I said I have murdered a man and I want to confess. Hey, shut up down there. I just love how some dude in the background is just like, hey, shut up. <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> he is a god now. Yeah. He, can, he is a cartoonish villain living in the real world. He feels like he could get away with anything. Mm. Slater wonders aloud that if Benedict can travel between Jack Slater 4 and the real world, can he do it with other movies? Oh, Christ. And of course the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> because, Ross, who does Benedict bring into the real world? The Ripper, the slimy shit from Jack Slater 3. <laughs> the cracked out Gordon's Fisherman. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Benedict is going to use the Ripper to take Slater out so he can live a criminal life free of heroic intervention. <sighs> <laughs> I know it's exhausting. Yeah, it's absolutely exhausting. We now have a new character to worry about. Like, it's like it's a whole nother plot. Like, it's just it's a whole nother story. <laughs> Here's where it really starts to get confusing. So I, I understand what you're going through here. Benedict has mistaken the real-life Arnold Schwarzenegger for Jack Slater. Which, why not? <laughs> why not? Why not? It makes sense. Yeah. So he's planning to interrupt the premiere of Jack Slater 4 to kill Arnold Schwarzenegger. Great. We cut to the premiere, and sure enough, there's Arnie playing himself walking up the red carpet. Guess what he gets out of? A hummer. A hummer. He's giving an interview, and he's like, yeah, we killed less people in this movie we killed less people in this movie this movie we only killed 48 people and compared to the last one where we killed 119 mm -hmm. and i want to make sure that the action fans understand we make up for it with a good story a lot of emotion steps dimensions and i love how maria's like can you not mention the restaurants or the gyms <laughs> like it's really tacky i love that they have a sense of humor about themselves i know like, i really do oh my god Slater gets into the theater and he sees Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting in the lower balcony. He's like, holy shit, that me. Yeah. The Ripper's about to drop the axe on Arnie when Slater draws a gun in a public crowded movie theater. Great idea. Everybody down. The real Arnold throws himself on top of Slater. A hero. <laughs> he realizes he's on top of his doppelganger. And he's like, you're the best celebrity lookalike I've ever seen. Well, guess what? <laughs> I just love it because he's following him out of the theater. He's like, hey, if you ever get to LA, I can get you deals. Hey, if you get to Los Angeles, call my office. 
We can get your shopping center opening. Look, I don't really like you, right? You brought me nothing but pain. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! Right to his own face! Right to his own face. I love it. I love hey, it. Hey, I don't really like you. <laughs> so the Ripper grabs Danny and takes him up to the roof. And now we're basically at uh, the end of... We're, ja we're back at Jack Slater 3. <laughs> Where we were at the beginning. Except this time, the Ripper throws Danny off the roof. But thanks to New York City architecture, they had gargoyles, then they had lights that looked like gargoyles, then they had gargoyle-ish lights to hold on to <laughs> when you fell off of buildings. So Danny's just hanging out while Slater dispatches the Ripper... This is hilarious. Did you notice this? What? Because it's pouring cats and dogs. It is. And so the entire roof is wet. Uh-huh. The, the Ripper, dressed in rubber galoshes and rubber gloves, is electrocuted by a live wire until he is dead. Doesn't the rubber make that kind of hard? Yes. <laughs> impossible, even. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good Some might say impossible. <laughs> So he pulls Danny back up onto the roof. Mm. It, it's very dramatic, but it's a non-event, ultimately. And when they get him back up there, Benedict suddenly appears. He's got to take Jack out, or Jack's just going to keep chasing him between universes. Oh, Jesus. This is where he starts monologuing again. He's like, since you're about to die... Another Alan Rickman soliloquy. <laughs> He's like, listen, man. I am God now. I, <laughs> I have officially transcended. I can bring back any supervillain from any movie. You want Dracula? Bam! Gary Oldman. Yeah. You got him. Yeah. <laughs> All I have to do is snap my fingers and they'll be here. They're lining up to get here. And do you know why, Jack? Should I tell you why? Hmm? Because here, in this world, the bad guys can win. Oof, is he right? That's some shit. I know. That's some, I don't like I don't like that you pointed that out. <laughs> I know. Oh no. I, right? Ah. There is no justice in this awful world. Uh, let's live in the movies. <laughs> yes, let's live the, That's why we have this podcast, bro. We want to be this kid. <laughs> let's live in the movies. We want to be this kid and just escape this horrible reality. Mm. Control alt delete. Reboot reality. <laughs> Did you restart the machine? <laughs> Have you tried turning it off and back on again? Immense voter fraud for the second election in a row. Did you just restart the machine? <laughs> That's what we want to do. Debug. Who wrote this code? <laughs> he takes out that humongous revolver and blasts Slater in the chest. It's a big gun. It is a big gun. <laughs> and he's holding that gun up for the kill shot. And then what happens? I shall miss you, Jack. The chamber clicks. <laughs> because this is real life. Yeah. You have to reload guns. Yeah. You, you, in, in the movies, you can just shoot at will. There's just unlimited ammo. It's all ammo all the time. Not in the real world, Sonny. And Danny manages to disarm him. And I think I think this is my favorite, like, action guy line. Slater holds up that gun and goes, No sequel for you. That's the end of Benedict. Dead. But here's the thing. That ticket was in his pocket. Yep. And it goes floating down into the street. This is it. This is the last ending, I think. Mm -hmm. I think we finally made it to the last ending. That magic ticket flies out of his pocket, lands on the street, mm -hmm. in front of this theater that's playing Ingmar Bergman's The 
and Seal. Mm-hmm. Which, it's okay, you don't have to have seen that movie. Death is a character in the movie. Death. And so... Death himself. Oh my god, the, 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 the screen lights up. And Ian McKellen, uh-huh. Sir Ian McKellen, playing Death, emerges from the screen. <laughs> oh my god, that f- audience is so freaked out. I don't know how they come back from that. <laughs> oh my god, Death literally crawled off screen and walked past you. Yikes. Oh my god, and here's the thing, his powers are real. Like, he's walking by that hot dog cart guy, and he doesn't say anything. He just puts his hand out and touches that guy on the shoulder. Dead. All of a sudden, he's got a hacking cough. Dead. I don't like that. Dead. Now they've got a new problem. Jack is mortally wounded. Yeah, he's been shot. Like, in the chest. Like, uh, right where the sun does. Well. Sunshine's there now. Right right where it's most important. And, like, Danny's like, oh, shit. This is not cool. Like, I, you're, you, can, you can die here. Yeah, because it's not the movie. But you can't die in your movie. <laughs> right. Because you're invincible in your movie. That's what he says. He's like, I gotta take him back to where it's only a flesh wound. It is but a flesh wound. <laughs> so Danny drags him back into the theater, but they don't have the ticket. So the gateway's closed. <gasps> He's dying on stage. Can this get more dramatic? No. It's stupid. The answer is no. <laughs> it's so stupid. Is this movie over yet? <laughs> no. All right. So Ian McKellen walks in as death, <laughs> creeps all the way down the aisle. He's coming first later. This is where this movie kind of gets a little serious. It does. It does, doesn't it? Because he, you know, something you forget until this moment is that Danny's lost his father recently. And now here's death himself staring him down, trying to take away his surrogate father figure. Back off. You can't have him. I've had enough to hear with you, mister. Who stays, who goes. Well, I'm telling you, this one stays. I was only curious. He's not on any of my lists. Just like, hey man, hey man, be cool. Yeah. I just think it's interesting because this guy's fictional and therefore I don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Death's like, hey man. I don't know what you're going to do, but I would be looking for the other half of that ticket. Yeah, thanks, Death. (laughs) From the seventh seal. We're staring down Death. Death said, find the other half of that motherfucking ticket. Here's the thing. When you go into a movie, the guy, the guy, the Nick. Yes. The Nick of the movie theater, he rips your ticket in half and he drops it in that little box. So so he has to like break. He literally like fly kicks this ticket box. (laughs) Just like karate kicks it over. All of a sudden he has action movie powers. Uh Uh-huh. Crouches up the other half of that ticket, and he gets Slater on the other side of that screen, like just in time for his wound to no longer be fatal. Mm-hmm. They're at police headquarters because Whiskers <laughs> sees what's going down. He's like, "Is anybody a doctor?" And it's very like, "Oh yes, I'm a doctor." <laughs> yes. He's very conveniently here. Yeah, there always is. There's a actually several doctors <laughs> that are very conveniently there. So yeah, he's hearing everybody coming, and he's like, "Danny." got to get back before it changes its mind. No way. I'm not going to leave you. I'm just an imaginary hero, Danny. You have a real life. You're real to me. Don't you get it? You're the best thing and I need you to... To be here where you can always find me. But I need you to be out there to believe in me. It was kind of sad there at the, like, right before he goes back over to reality. Yeah. Where he's just like, 
I'm never going to see you again. And I'm like, oh, oh no, Danny. Yeah. Oh no. It's like he's losing his dad again. Like if I went into Harry Potter, <laughs> if I never got to see them again, I'd be kind of fucked up. You'd be kind of fucked you up. You gave me everything I wanted and now I have to give it up. <laughs> if you ever want to see me again, yeah. Or are you taking me with you in this scenario? <laughs> I'd just slow you I down. I kind of want it all for myself. I know, I know. Like, I mean. I'd just slow you down. Yeah. I'd be like, can we sit? You can stay for a little bit. <laughs> you can stay for a little bit. You you can't stay in the rougher movies because they want you to be safe. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Not that they are all rough. And now, following these misadventures, I guess that Jack Slater's just going to be a hyper-aware fictional character from now on. And, like, he looks into the camera and, like, he's winking at Danny. And it's just... It's all absolutely ridiculous. And that's it. That's it, guys. <laughs> that's it. That is the end of a very long, ill-paced, but hilarious movie. Are you sure it's over? It is over. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's over at all this right, point. All right. I know that you're thrilled to be done with that. No, it's just, it was, a, okay, here's my thing. It made me laugh. <laughs> it did. At several points, I was just like, oh, what? But like that last, the last 30 minutes. Oh, it goes on and on it, and on it, and on. That, that was my only holdup about this film. I was just like, this is too damn long. I'm pretty sure somebody said in the reviews, they were like, we don't need Siskel and Ebert to tell us that this movie is 10 minutes too long. I could have done, I, I could have done 90 minutes. 130? <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think, listen, I think that they really were struggling for some depth. So they had to... They sure were. They were. So they... <laughs> they had to include things like the, the push-in burglar at the beginning and Danny losing but, his dad. And then again, this is a satire. It is a satire. This is a parody. Like, they're going <laughs> to soak up everything they can. You know, what they, you know what I mean? It's like, I just like it because I generally don't like action movies. But this is making fun of action movies. <laughs> exactly. So you like it. <laughs> and I like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He clearly doesn't take himself too seriously to uh -huh. do this kind of thing. And it's also a cross, it's a cross section of two things I love very dearly, which is meta humor and self-awareness in narrative. Because when you have self-awareness in narrative, it becomes a commentary on writing. Mm. And you know I'm there for that shit. Of course. It's kind of like Die Hard meets Stranger Than Fiction. After Will Ferrell becomes aware that he's a character in a story. Yeah. So yeah, guys, this is another week where there's not a big extrapolation at the end. The meta hurt my head a little bit after <laughs> all of this. You know what I mean? Like it was a, it was too much meta almost. Guys, birthday month is drawn to a close for Miss Carrie Ann over here. Yeah, I know. You got one more pick. I do, I do, I do, I do. And you know what? <laughs> kind of glad we saved this one for last because this is probably the most ridiculous movie that I picked this month. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Lest I can think of a couple this month that have been pretty <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Lest we forget. This last choice is gonna kind of be another trash movie. But it's one of those beloved trash movies, you know what I mean? <laughs> Next week, we're going to be covering the 2008 horror movie musical, 
Repo, the genetic opera. This movie's fucking weird. <laughs> it's so weird. I remember watching it at the tender age of 11. <laughs> That's a lot, at 11. <laughs> yeah, guys, it's a rock opera. There's lots of gore. Paris Hilton is here. Guess what, guys? Body horror. <laughs> Again. <laughs> This is not about making you scream. I promise you. You know what? Some of the songs in this are I, I kind of bop with. You know, I kind of vibe with them. And the guy that wrote it stars as Grave Robber. As Grave Robber. It's amazing. Him and Carmen Cortez. <laughs> Christine Daae. I know. And Paris Hilton. <laughs> it's gonna be a good. It's gonna be a good episode. It's guys. gonna be something. It's gonna, I can tell you that. It's definitely gonna be something that we talk about. In the meantime, guys, you can go follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an N, not an ampersand. And you know, it costs zero dollars to share this podcast. That's true also. It costs zero dollars to leave a review about this podcast. It costs zero dollars to spread the love to all of our wonderful creators and voices below. In the show notes, yeah. Absolutely. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry mom. mom. Gossip news, gossip news, gossip news.